0: Hello, I'm Brett Marshall, and I'm Zeke Boyat and I'm Justin Baki. and this is Sound the Foghorn. Hello, and welcome. On the Foghorn, guys. Episode 10. We're going to try this again. So we tried to record, and then we had this massive feedback, and then we couldn't hear Justin. But now we're back. I think we're good to go. Gentlemen, episode 10. How are we feeling about it? Justin, will kick it since I lost you last time.
1: All right. Sounds good. Let's try this again. Uh, doing good. Just finished the work week. Getting things finished for the baby. It'll be here soon. Uh, got daughter's new bed, and got our son signed up for skating lessons, and now just really ready to talk to him draft
0: here. Busy times in the Baki household for sure. Very. Zeke what about you man how are we doing?
1: Uh, well yeah I'm
2: good. i uh, just been working doing a lot of schoolwork this week. Uh, you know I've been hanging out outside and as Justin said it's uh, draft is one of my favorite uh, events of the year in the hockey calendar so I'm really
0: looking forward to talking about it tonight. Yeah you guys are in for a treat. You have three hosts who are just obsessed with the NFL draft, and we have taken a pretty, what I think will be a pretty deep dive uh, into pretty much any scenario we could think of for the first round. So we're going to go through probably 10 to 12 first-round prospects, You know, covering everything that could happen if they trade up, if they trade back, if they stay where they're at. Anything we could think of, and we're going to talk about guys that we like, guys that we think could be sneaky, depending where they end up. So, But, but before we get into that, uh, this is who we lost Justin last time, so fingers crossed doesn't happen again. Uh, we've got a prospect update, some some better news than in previous weeks. So Justin, let's kick it to you. Uh, what's the latest with our prospects?
1: All right, as long as the static doesn't kick in, uh, Alexander helping out. Uh, he finally got into a game again and uh, ended up only playing seven minutes. He was playing basically fourth line minutes. He he was an extra skater, but you know he he didn't do a whole lot until the end of the game. He ended up winning the only. Scoring the only goal in the shootout and winning it for his team, AK Bars. And then uh, Brandon Menel, he continues to play really well for uh, Dynamo Minx. You know, he now has eight points in six games, and he just scored his first goal of the season on Monday. Uh, Ivan Ladnia ended up assisting on it, but uh, Men- Menel continues to basically lead his team in minutes. And then Andrei Svetlikov, he- he's not doing a whole lot on the score sheet, but you know, in his team's five to nothing win today, he
0: did go 12 for 12 on faceoffs and is up to 54% for the season. Yeah. You like to so, see you know, that's that. that's pretty good. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, and if you didn't see the Hovanov goal, it looked like vintage Miko Koivu, just little forehand, backhand up above the pad and for the win. It was, it was pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was very Koivu
0: esque. Yes. All right. So, better to see Hovanov finally getting some ice time found you know they found some confidence in him in the shootout so hopefully it was hopefully we'll see that ice time continue to ramp up my guess is it kind of is what we speculated just being you know maybe a little bit of a ramp up period you know the young guy's not going to get in right away but continue to get acclimated probably over there and he'll hopefully continue to work his way into some more ice times into some more uh close situations and the manel thing is i don't know I, I, i'm bittersweet about it because like ah, that'd be nice to have on the roster next year but maybe in two years or whatever mm-hmm. uh, after this year he'll he'll maybe decide to come back. But who knows? Uh, Zeke, any thoughts about the prospect update before we uh, kick into high gear into the draft?
2: Uh, Not much, but uh, kind of on Manel, I was on uh, Russo's uh, Zoom call with uh, uh, Bill Guerin today, and he was, you know, essentially, like it's been reported a bunch of times, that, you know, like Russo's been saying, if, you know, Manel was maybe thought about a little more with uh, a lot of, with the... Uh potential trade of Matt Dumba and Greg Pattern, probably just being on the injured list. You know, there might have actually been a you know a shot for him there uh, on the right side on the Wild's D this year. So, you know, like like you guys said, it's disappointing he left, but you know they still have his rights, so we'll see. Yeah,
0: and that bit they still have his rights, I think, is key because if he does want to come yeah. back after this year, the Wild would have the first cracks at him, or they could trade those rights if they feel mm-hmm. they're in a good spot. So. Yes. Not the worst case scenario for him to be successful over there, because if anything, it might drive up his trade value if they don't uh, decide they want to mm-hmm. bring him back. So, yeah, definitely. All right, guys, draft time. Wild. As of now, and I say that uh, not to give too much away for what I've got, but as of now, have the ninth overall pick in the draft. We've talked about a couple guys that we like at nine, but I just I kind of wanted to go through kind of just reading different articles and listening in to hints of different things and kind of, I came up with about four possible scenarios that I think could happen. Uh, I just wanted to go through those quick and see what you guys think. Uh, My first scenario was still, I think, the most likely is the wild stand pat and they make their pick as it is at nine. They don't move up, they don't move back. They take Mm at nine, they get their guy. Scenario two, I think this is probably of of the next three I'm going to do. Maybe the most possible, but I think it, it depends a little bit on what happens through picks one through six. So, and this would be the wild trading up to the seventh spot and trading with the New Jersey Devils to select Marco Rossi. And again, this is this is taking into account that he's Rossi isn't taken in those first six picks. And the reason I bring this up is uh, Corey Maziac, I believe is how you say his last name. He's the uh, Devils writer for the Athletic. Um, in the Athletics mock draft, had this little blurb at the end of. Their pick. So he did have them taking Rossi at 7, but this is what he said. So he said. The Devils do have a couple of interesting connections to Jake Sanderson, so it shouldn't be a big surprise if they went in that direction instead of Rossi. If they do like Sanderson or Rossi's teammate Jack Quinn, exploring what Tom Fitzgerald could add for moving back a few spots would make sense as well. So I bring this up because I believe this is something that we talked about was when we were looking at teams to trade up. We, we looked at those like three teams kind of in that 5, 6, 7, 8 range, and New Jersey's one that came up, and now we have their beat writer throwing in that, hey, this this could happen. Is that something you guys would be willing to do? And I know, Zeke, you may have a little something to add to this too based on something you found out today.
2: Um, well, see, so, you know, I I personally would be uh, very willing to do. And uh, like Brett said, the kind of news that I guess broke today from uh, Darren Drager on TSN was that uh, it kind of seems apparently like the Wild aren't going to be likely to get a top six center in return for Matt Dumba in a trade, and uh, uh, other option that he apparently the Wild are looking for now is a high end, higher end uh, first round pick and a good young player. And so, like Brett said, you know, if New Jersey is potentially if there's a fit there uh, with Dumba or with something someone else for their number seventh pick, I I think I'd be very interested in that. I mean, I think I'm. I guess it depends on what other player they're giving me to because I don't know how. I mean, if it's Rossi, I might be, but I don't know how comfortable I am necessarily giving up the more established player for a draft pick, even if it is that high. But I I do very much. uh, It's very interesting to think that, hey, if they could uh, make a trade uh, to swap uh, seven and nine with New Jersey and send Dumba back to them and get another kind of younger piece back, I think it's a very interesting possibility.
0: And Justin, do you concur or do you feel differently?
1: Yeah, I think I would have to make for dang sure that we're getting something in return for, you know, a player that's an established top four D man, right shot, kinda coveted. You know, he kinda had a tough year, but maybe he was partially recovering from injury. But I just feel like you know, we, we gotta make sure that we're we're getting even or what we need. Like we can't just do it, just do it. We gotta make sure that we're we're getting a piece that's gonna help us or piece it.
0: I agreed a hundred percent. Uh, it's intriguing to me, and we'll talk talk Rossi here in a little bit. Um, but, Zeke, you, you talked about kind of a, wanting that security. So he, here's scenario three, pipe dream scenario. It's been kicked around a little bit. Whether it happens, I don't know. Uh, but this is the wild trade up to two or three, so either two with LA or three to Ottawa, depending on if LA is thinking um, about byfield or if they want to go a different route. Uh, it's been kicked around. You have Dumba, you have the ninth, you have two first next year. Mm-hmm. Ottawa has two first this year. There's rumors that LA could, and even in the athletic mock, they did go with Tim Stoitzel at two, which means Byfield gets to three. And all of a sudden, Ottawa might become an attractive trade partner if maybe they feel, hey, let's get Dumba maybe the ninth pick and we'll take our pick at five and nine and grab Dumba out of it too. Mm-hmm. Instead of maybe, ah, uh, because I, I think a guy they're looking at is potentially Jamie Drysdale, who's a right shot D. Mm-hmm. Dumba's 26, Drysdale's 18. How does Dumba fit in the rebuild? Maybe, maybe not, but he's under team control. So that's more of a pipe dream scenario. But the more I think about it, it may not be as outlandish as maybe originally thought, given given the scenario, if Byfield is the one that gets to three and not Stoitzel.
2: Yeah, I, it's definitely another interesting possibility. I guess I, guess I just still, even if... There's, there's still guys they like have a hard time imagining uh, Ottawa trading either of those picks, especially for a player in Tumba who has a six million dollar salary, and with the you know how the world is right now, and uh, knowing that their owner and Eugene Melnick is not the biggest fan of spending a lot of money right now. But um, yeah, that that could certainly be a possibility. But I, I think it's maybe a little more likely that you could that LA would be willing to entertain that. But I I guess I don't know how many, if they've been interested in first round picks next year, I don't really think they want Dumba because I feel like I remember reading a lot that, you know, Brodeen could have been a guy that they um uh, could have found to play up on the left side with a guy like Drew Doughty. So I, I guess I don't know exactly what, you know, that would entail giving back, but I mean, if you have a chance to get second or third overall, I mean, you should pursue it at the very least. Justin,
0: anything to add to that?
1: Not really much to add. I mean, that that second or third pick would be sweet, and getting a player like Byfield would help us for quite a bit of time. You know, he's right there neck and neck with the the Frontier. So, you know, I don't know if LA would want to do it like Zeke said, but it's definitely intriguing.
0: All right. And then scenario four this is one I really didn't have on my radar up until the Athletics mock draft came out. And it it did seem to hint that maybe the wild might just be balls in going after a center. And as a result, they could even potentially look to trade back. Um, I would guess maybe somewhere like the 11, 15 range. It sounds like Winnipeg Uh is pretty headset on Jake Sanderson. So maybe that means they trade up even. Um, And we'll talk about, um, I think Jake Sanderson is someone the wild could look at too. So something to watch there, but um, I think it's unlikely. Uh, I think if you're the wild at nine, you got to get the best player available. And the more I've, the more I've thought about it, I think I've, partially talked myself out of all in on an Anton Lundell at nine. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, how would you guys feel about the potential of trading back?
1: Uh, I, I don't see a situation where we do unless we get an asset that helps us as well. But uh, I feel like we're more likely to move up or, or trade Dumba for, for a one or two center if it's possible. Cause you know, like it's been mentioned a lot of times we don't have to trade him. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't see us trading back but anything could really happen
2: Yeah, I agree, I mean I, it's certainly possible but I'm also a, you know, I'm a proponent there when they don't get to pick in the top 10 like that very often and if it's there, and even if there's not a higher end center there uh, I would just go best player available uh, regardless of position and yeah, I mean like Justin said, it depends on the other asset the team is giving you to move up, then you know that could change my mind but I think I would just rather stay put or move up if I had the choice.
0: Yeah, I'm with you guys. Like I said, I think kind of looking, having de- delving into all these prospects today, I- I'm definitely mm-hmm. in the camp of there. There will be some sort of skill guy there. It may not be a center, but a guy that you'll want to take because mm-hmm. the thing is, like, oh, we already have too many of those guys. Well, now you're in a situation where, you, like, right now, you have you have four guys that are probably a that can be a top pair defenseman. You have mm-hmm. trade capital now that you can move to fill a need somewhere else. Where if yeah. you take the slow shots, like, ah, oh, well, this guy's fine, but it's like, man, we would have really liked to have X player instead and then been able to trade, you know, maybe they can trade a Kevin Fiala mm-hmm. or maybe they trade Kaprasov or a Boldy or a Beckman because they have that depth on the wing now. So,
2: yeah. And I mean, it'd be a good problem to have too many good players for once. So, right. yes. Right.
1: So-
0: Definitely will yeah. be. And, <laughs> and you look at teams like I think LA, I look at teams like L.A. and Carolina. and, I mean, they have these deep prospect pools, and it's like, man, they could wheel and deal for some guys if they really needed to, and they mm-hmm. still could down the road when they're when they're ready to. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, and and what if that best player available is a you know I know we have a, a plethora of wings, but what if it's a, a high end winger that's better than a winger the wingers we already have? Like, mm-hmm. right. You can always trade. You know, it's hard to get that centerman, but you know, like you said, we have that that those couple pieces that could possibly get us there
0: and as it sits right now you're going to have two cracks in the draft next year too so i don't i think you're all, i think you're doing all right
1: yeah right well it looks like Pittsburgh's bleeding their depth right now
0: <laughs> they are trying they're doing everything they can to, to
1: keep doing
2: down. it now go sign chris <laughs> Tanner for five years
0: yeah, yeah please do <laughs>
2: yes him and jack johnson
0: oh, man Ooh. and and mike matheson what a blue line
1: yeah, damn.
0: <laughs> no. Minnesota Wild podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll deviate from that for now. Um, let's start going through some of these prospects. We'll start kind of toward the top of the board and then work our way to the middle. I think the obvious one we'll touch on first year is Quentin Byfield. So six foot four, two hundred fourteen pound defenseman. Uh, played for the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL. Just turned eighteen uh, back on August nineteenth. So not too long ago, about what was that? About a month, I think, just over a month ago. Mm-hmm. So one of the youngest players in the draft, uh, eighty-two points in forty-five games last year, and that's production at his age, similar to the likes of guys like Mitch Marner, Tyler Stegen, Steven Stamkos, Dylan Strom, John Tavares—pretty good company uh, for a seventeen-year-old in the OHL.
1: Yeah, with his age, they're saying that you know he he could be even ahead of Lafreniere, mm-hmm. you know. It, at some point. Yeah, I agree. I think
2: he, I think it's a re- reasonable argument to say that he has the highest uh, ceiling of anyone in the draft. And I mean, you look, you six four, two hundred fourteen 214 pounds, he's already huge, but you think if, you know, the next couple of years as he develops into kind of his early twenties, I mean, he gets a little bit stronger. He maybe a little bit bigger and he's, maybe you've got a six, 225 pounds center on you with the great, you know, offensive uh, skill set that he has. And so, I mean, yeah, no, he's he's really good. I right. think he kind of, I think he's a little bit underrated by a lot of people. the Last few months too, yeah, yeah. which
0: is weird considering someone as like the consensus two or three overall pick is underrated. But mm-hmm. as you said it perfectly. <laughs> I I don't think the gap between him and Lafreniere is as big as people make it. It's 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 the tricky situation of you kind of have this physical maybe not high point ceiling center, but a guy that can probably put up 70 points in the first line, yeah. play power play, distribute the puck, play physical, versus this winger who might put up, you know, you know, might be the more Mitch Marner type. The guy's going to put up 90 points, but doesn't give you that size as much and, and plays on the wing, which is a little bit easier. It's easier to get wings than it is to get centers. So mm-hmm. I, on my personal rankings, I do have Byfield as the best ranked player because I think long-term, the value he'll bring to a team will be more than the value that a guy like uh, Lafreniere brings. Granted, I would love to have either of them on my hockey yeah. for part of the right. that need. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more things here about Byfield. Uh, top skills, these are all, uh, when I go through these, these are all be uh, per elite prospects. His puck handling, speed, acceleration, strength, and his passing. And the speed is a big one. His skating was kind of his big knock coming into this year, and he improved his stride mightily. And now it's to the point where, like, people say, "Well, for his size, he's actually an above-average skater." Which, if you have a six-foot-four guy that can skate and plow through guys, very, very effective.
1: Yeah, and like you said, with you know 200 whatever pounds at at age eighteen, and he already you know carries the puck like a power running back. Uh, he's only going to get better, and you know he's he's got an explosive stride. So you know this is something that the Wild have possibly never had in their their franchise. It would be. It would be great to have like either one or two center wherever he ends up.
0: And another kind of stat, if you will, that I found to kind of evaluate players a little bit is a stat called NHLE. So it's uh, stands for NHL equivalency. It's a translation. It's a it's this little score basically. It shows how points from one league would translate to NHL production at that given point in their career. So uh, Byfield, based on his numbers from last year, scored about so. Is, what would you say at 82 points would translate to about 48 points in the NHL uh, for reference Kirill Kaprasoff is his production in the KHL last year would be at 72 Matt Boley's NCA would be at 25. So obviously this doesn't totally factor in age, but it gives mm-hmm. you a, a good sense of, you know, is this guy NHL ready? So 48 points NHL ready, 72 points, obviously NHL ready, uh, yeah. 48 maybe could pop, possibly pop in as a third or third or second line center. Uh, with, a, with an NHL of 72, probably a first line. It's not a perfect score, but it's just it's a good way to kind of get your idea of, all right, where is this guy? How far out is he? So, mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I, I look at his impact. Like I said, I think, I just mentioned, I think he can immediately slot. He'd probably make the team out of camp, 23-man roster, and probably be given the opportunity in that top six role. I probably wouldn't say the first line right away, uh, just being, you know, like we said, just having turned 18. But you know, could probably start on that second line, probably some second power play unit time, and then within a year or two, probably make that jump to number one center. And just he's a he's a good playmaker, and I think someone that would mesh awesome with both Kaprasov and Fiala. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And obviously, we talked about uh, you know how to acquire him. It'd be a little tricky trading up. What that cost would be, it, it's it's so hard to know how teams value yeah. like that. So it's it's That's not good. even more speculating, but it would cost you at least the ninth pick and probably something else significant. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Anything else you guys want to add to Byfield?
1: Not really, no. No, nope, I, I got nothing else.
0: All right. The next guy I will go to is a player I know is probably all of our favorite player in this draft. He's undersized, but he is everything that the Wild want. Marco Rossi.
1: Yes. He is my top option outside of the top two. Well at the center position at least you know he like you said he's uh he's small but he's he's powerful and ended up leading the ohl and scoring last year and he looked at more of a distributor but you know he has an actually ex- mm-hmm. he has an exceptional sense of spacing skating rates is above average nhl level small but strong and quick so you know
0: and by small he's not tiny he's 5'9 no, 185 right. like 185 yeah. at 5'9 i mean you're, yeah. you're that's that's a good chunk of weight at five
1: nine Mm
2: -hmm. yeah yeah and I I think uh, a key kind of thing that Justin said there is that he's more of a distributor more of kind of a playmaker which I think to be honest is kind of what they would need in center anyways with their wingers and guys like Fiala and Kaprizov and so just like you guys said he's overall he's he's not just a very good offensive player I think from what I've read he's he's good on the penalty kill he's good a two-way player he's not that huge and maybe could get a tiny bit stronger but uh you know, the effort is always there, and like you guys said, the skill is second to none compared right. to a lot of prospects in this draft and would certainly be, you know, probably the one of the most talented, if not the most talented in the, the Wilds' team or system
1: if they dra- could draft him. Yeah. And and like I said, above average skating, I feel like that's something yeah. that's missing is, is speed on our team and, and mm-hmm. skating. For sure.
0: A fast two-way center who can distribute pucks to snipers. Yes, please. Yeah. (laughs) A couple notes from scouts in those. Um, This is from uh, Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. Uh, He says he plays in the middle of the ice, but knows when to take the outside lane. And he goes both, he said. And he is the best defensive forward in this draft. So maybe something like you said, maybe he's flying a little under the radar because of his insane offensive production. but. Really responsible Good to wait for hey, Billy Garen. That's your, that's your type of player. And then the Ottawa 67's general manager said he's obsessed with getting better, very determined to be an impactful NHL player, and he actually turned down opportunities uh, to play in Europe this coming year because he believes he will make the NHL roster out of camp. He is one of the older players in the draft, just turned uh, 19 here on uh, September 23rd, so yesterday. Yeah. So happy late birthday to future wild center Marco Rossi. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, just turned
0: 19 yesterday. Uh, his NHLE was 57, so 57 points production like that for your top line center. Um, and then, you know, kind of how I look at it, though he's undersized, you would certainly get that opportunity top six, if not that top line right off the bat. Great playmaker, passer, the exact type of center that Garen loves. Should mesh with Fiala Kaprasov. Could be available at seven. New and I, the other thing I want to bring up earlier when we talked about, um, you know, New Jersey is they have Nico Heeshier and Jack Hughes down the middle, so they don't Mm -hmm. have a glaring need for center. They would probably be happy to grab a guy like Holtz or, or like mentioned earlier, um, you know, Jack Quinn or Jake Sanderson, so like they don't have the glaring need for Rossi, which I think it makes that all that more like, oh, it seems like it's like it could happen because, Six, like, seven and eight is, like, where Rossi's going to go. And it's like, wow, they're going to be right there. And mm-hmm. I don't, it's just, it seems possible. And I know I'm getting my hopes up, but it just yeah. seems like.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Anything else you guys want to add about Marco Rossi? Our fingers crossed target if we can't get up to Byfield.
1: <laughs> fingers and toes are crossed. I have nothing thought that. Mm, yeah. For sure.
0: All right, so let's move on to a guy we talked about quite a bit before who we had kind of the consensus at the time. Uh, another center, Anton Lundell.
2: Hmm. Well, this is a guy that's kind of, a, when I look at what a lot of prospect and scout people are talking about, is a little bit, I guess, controversial is the word. And that, you know, on the surface, when you look at him, you might consider him to be more of a safe kind of player, but he's a center. He's 6'1, 187 pounds. I mean, you know, good two way player, plays center, you know, can play physical, has good size, sounds very familiar to Wild Fans with you know, kinda of like a guy like Miko Koivu, but uh, I'm he's maybe not my first choice, but like you said, he plays center and I think his uh, offensive skill is a little bit underrated compared to what a lot of people
1: seem to think. Yeah, reading Elite Prospects, uh, it says there's some belief that he scratched the surface as a goal scorer. You know, not many players have a have a higher floor. And also mentions he's basically a almost a guarantee to stick at center. Another thing I found interesting is uh, there are only sixteen players to suit up forty games or more in the Finnish Liga in the first year of their draft eligibility and hit the mm-hmm. half point per game mark, and you know he's on eighth on that list of all time. So um, yeah, twenty eight points in forty four games. So you know he he can put up points, but uh, yeah, it, I wouldn't mind taking him, but. Like He's not my first choice, like Rossi. But.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting player. Uh, Dick, as you mentioned, he's kind of been divisive among the scouting community about where he ranks. I've seen him as high as top five, top six on some rankings, and I've seen him down around like the 16, 17 mark on others. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> Scott Wheeler, I like him a lot. He's one of my favorite scouting reporters. Uh, here's what he had to say about him. He said, he's never going to consistently burn defenders off the rush, but he's a better passer <laughs> than he normally gets credit for. He's heavier on the cycle than most of his peers. He can play through the middle of the ice and makes decisions and reads quickly. Uh, you know, he's is Lindell is the ceiling probably number one center. No, but I no. think his floor is a good three and probably a really capable number two. Mm. And I don't think it's a bad thing to have a bona fide number two center in your system. No, uh, it's not. And as we talk, it's not going to cost you anything. You don't have to trade up to get him. You don't have to give up anything extra. He's he should be there at nine. Um, He's probably close-ish to NHL ready if he's being mm-hmm. successful over in the uh, in in the Finnish league. I do believe he is like I think he's an assistant captain this year over there too, which at yeah. 19 is awesome. No, so is, he has yeah. at least probably one year before he comes to the US, and then maybe one year in the minors. But I, two to three years to me wouldn't like be it doesn't seem like a stretch at all when no. he could arrive. And then uh, just on the size too, six foot one, one eighty seven. So pretty good size for your center, pretty standard around that six one six two. Uh,
2: 185 mark yeah and i guess i uh, just another you know, the quick thing that i saw too looking at the stats on their finish league website through the first uh, 10 preseason games he's at a point per game with uh, 10 goals five goals five assists so good start there i uh, don't know when their season starts but he'll definitely be keeping a guy to keep an eye on and uh, i guess one more kind of piece in him is i don't know if this is necessarily his upside but like you guys are saying it seems that he has a pretty very good shot and you know, what I've been reading around doing some stuff, there's some people that think, you know, at his very highest potential, which, you know, that's maybe not extremely likely he hits it, but, the, you know, the potential sitting there is a guy who can, you know, score around 30 goals, 60 points, and be that kind of two-way force at center. And like Brett said, maybe not a legit number one, but, you know, if you have a very, if he's a very good number two, fringe number one, at, if that's what he can end up being, I mean, that's a great pick. They don't have any of those in the system right now, so.
1: Yeah, be yeah. yeah, Sorry, Elite Prospects has them as a possible middle six role with penalty-killing utility at the NHL level. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and then I've even seen – so that's kind of the lower end of his projection. Uh, Yoke Nevalainen, I don't have – I should have put his Twitter handle on here, but um, he covers – he does finish scouting for Dauber Prospects, and he actually drew his comp to Ryan O'Reilly, hmm. uh, who we know, Selkie winner, very yeah. effective both ends of the ice. So not a bad comp to get um, – so, no, and then also uh, Brandon Maleski of K Fan, uh, I saw in a tweet exchange with Michael Russo said he I don't know where he was watching, but he watched a draft preview and he got a Miko Koivu comp. So,
1: yeah, um, <laughs> that, yeah. that would maybe yeah.
0: infuriate some Wild fans, <laughs> yeah. but love or hate Miko Koivu, he was a great number two center for a long time, but forced mm-hmm. into a number one role, which I think hurt him a little bit more than it helped him. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so I think kind of. Those are maybe the obvious three that we've talked about. Yeah, I'll kick it over. Zeke, let's start with you. Who's a guy that you think we're going to talk? I mean, we'll start with guys that they could take at nine. I think I know who you'll bring up first. Um, and then we'll maybe talk about a couple guys that get, if they end up trading back. But Zeke, we'll start with you.
2: Okay. So, well, this has caused slight little debates on Twitter the last couple of weeks. But I am a big fan of the Russian goalie in Yaroslav Askarov. Now, as uh, I know, uh, you guys disagree with me a little bit, and I know there's plenty of people who do, and there's good reasons. You know, goalie's very erratic. Uh, you can't always don't know they're year to year different. Uh, it might they take a little while. Uh, you know, in Askarov has two years left on his KHL contract, and with the Wilds having dealt with Kaprosov recently, maybe they don't want to do it again, but. I just think that he's so good. I mean, first off, he's got the size at 6'3", 176 pounds. He's catches right, which I don't think that's really much of an advantage, but that's pretty rare. Uh, he moves very well laterally. He's very quick reaction time. Like I mentioned, he has the size, the composure to be a great goalie. And I guess maybe the one thing that I've read that's maybe a little bit of negative that some people think is that he maybe moves a little bit around too much when he's in the crease, but supposedly he th- helps him focus. But overall, I just... I really like him i know there's risk and i know a lot of people don't agree with me but from what i've been hearing it sounds like a wild head scout judd Brackett really likes him and you know with the way it's just three games but the way he started off his first three games this year in the khl with uh one goal allowed through two and a half games uh, including a 32 safe shutout i just think that if all like in my opinion if all the top guys are gone like there's not a rossi or a holtz there. I think he's a guy I would very much at least have a conversation about uh, at number nine.
1: All right.
0: Yeah, and I, I dove into Asgrav a little bit more to see if I could talk myself into it a little bit. Still no, but uh, kind of some stuff I found. So, I mean, many saying he's probably the best first-round goaltender since Vasilevsky, maybe even Carey Price. Mm-hmm. Um, he has performed admirably in the VHL and now, Zeke, as you mentioned, starting in the KHL. Um, the positive of his games have been, he's really good positionally yeah. good down low. He kind of uses a, a butterfly stipe um, drew, drew comparison to kind of um, in his prime Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, the concerns with him skill wise were actually he has a pretty slow glove hand. So it's mm. like he gets beaten a lot on the glove side and they're not sure what attributes to that, but that could be a problem at the initial level. But obviously, as an 18 old goalie. There's, I think that's something you can easily work on, get better at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe this is an elite prospect's uh, little blurb here. He's miles ahead of other goaltenders available in the draft, not to mention his development path, which we've seen him already thriving in the pros, make him as an easy bet as a goaltender that will be NHL-ready sooner rather than later. Um, and I included this because my concern, as we talked about, was how long it take him to get here. So mm-hmm. they're saying sooner rather than later. So my original timeline, you know, six years. If if you can be sure it's three to four years, I'm more open to yeah. it um mm-hmm. it's just for me it's it's just like you have the risk of i, I don't think drafting him is a bad idea it depends what you're drafting him for if you're yeah, drafting him good. to solve the goalie problem that you have right now it's, it's not the answer in my mind mm-hmm. if you're drafting him to say hey in in five or six years is going to be our guy he's going to be a guy we build on at that time then i'm yeah. okay with that so mm-hmm. i think it, it's it's the mentality of why you're drafting him there i think that mm-hmm that I want to know, which, will we ever know that? Probably not, because goalies are so unpredictable. Maybe he ends up being like Carter Hart and in three years. He's a starter. He's mm-hmm. a fide number one. I don't know. It's just, yeah. goalies are so just random.
2: Yeah, yeah, they are. And, you know, you made the Carter Hart comparison, which I think is, you know, maybe not, you know, that's not guaranteed, but I think that's what a lot of people think. And overall, just to me, you know, it, like I said, if if all the guys are gone, like Rossi Holtz and all them, if all those top end forwards are gone, I just, he is probably my favorite pick there then because I, I, when I look at him and read everything I read, you know, shows potential franchise goalie and I know, you know, there's issues with that and, you know, I'm not dead set on him, but, you know, I just, to me, the upside is just so high, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, I just don't,
0: anything
1: to add? No, I don't have anything to add. I'm not, not really a fan of drafting a goalie there, but uh, I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You know, it's like the best player available, and they know for sure kind of the timeline he'll be here.
2: So. Yeah, and I think just like I said, I think the interesting part was that uh, from Russo's Zoom today and some other articles that uh, supposedly uh, the Head Scout Judd Brackett really does like him. So, again, like Justin just said, depending on if he is, you know, if depending on who's available, I think that's an option. But, you know, like I said, we'll see.
0: Yeah, and he's a good size for a goaltender, too. Six foot mm-hmm. three, 176. Yeah. You know, a guy that when he does go down, could cover a lot of net. He's not an undersized goalie of any means. And, yeah, respectful numbers last year, two, two, four, five goals against 9.20 state percentage, 12, three, and three, and 18 starts for SKA. But that was in the VHL, which I believe is like basically yeah. their AHL. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. But now in the KHL this season. So, all right. Uh, since you brought him up a few times, Zeke, uh, let's talk about Alexander Holt as a guy that you said, if he's there, I-, I would take him above. And I think I'm with you there. Uh, Justin, I'll kick it to you since Zeke and I have done a lot of talking to Askaroff. Do you have anything <laughs> on Alexander Holtz?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, he'd be a very good option. He's a, a winger out of Drew Gardens of the SHL. Um, he's considered the best finisher finisher in the draft. So, you know, maybe. everyone could maybe, one of possibly. Um,
0: one of two, I would say. I, th- I yeah. think there's someone else that's crept into that conversation. We'll talk about him in a little bit.
1: Someone a little deeper in the draft, you, you're thinking? Pot- potentially. Yeah. But yeah, I read on elite prospects. Marcus Naslund is the only player ahead of him in goals as under 18 in the SHL. Um, mm. He set record for goals mm. in the J20 Super Elite as draft minus one skater. Um, his shot is as good as it gets, and you know he's a potential has the potential to be a first line finisher. So who who doesn't want to draft a player yeah. that end up on their top line?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, Wild haven't had a guy like that since Marion Gabrick. And I think, like you said, he's a winger. And I think the key thing here is that he's a right shot right winger. So and so, great. yeah, so I think, you know, if he was a, if he was shoots left, I think, you know, there would be less of a chance they go with him. But like Justin said, I mean, the numbers you'd look at on paper, they aren't fantastic. But when like he was just, Justin was just talking about, uh, when you consider ice time and all that, it's for a young player in a pro league like that. It's very good, and, you know, I think some of the couple of the uh, knocks against him that I've seen are, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, and he could, you know, improve his skating a little bit, especially his acceleration, but uh, I guess I've also kind of read, too, that he's a guy who could be ready in the NHL within the next year or even next two or even next season after this, so uh, definitely one of the top options if he's available at nine. Definitely.
0: Yeah, he's another one of those guys that, like, you know, Some people have him like a top five. Others mm-hmm. have him like a top 15. So yeah. kind of all over the place. So a guy that could fall. I believe I've heard the Sabres, if I recall, mm-hmm. have interest in both Raymond and Holtz. Raymond, I don't think it's down to them, but maybe Holtz. So if Rossi's there at eight in the wild, haven't traded up, they might consider Holtz too.
1: Mm-hmm. Obviously they
0: have Eichel there. They're still looking for their number two as well. So Rossi wouldn't shock me behind him. Um, but Holtz as a scoring winger to play alongside Eichel, not a bad idea either. Um, Thomas Monten, coach of Sweden's U twenty U twenty team, had this to say about Holtz. He said, "He's a he's mature in his body, strong, adapted to the pro level quickly. He's good at finding openings. He has a sense of when to take off to find open space. He's a shooter. He wants to shoot the puck and he wants to score goals. Well." Uh, well, <laughs> haven't had anyone like that in a while. And Zeke, like you said, mm-hmm. I think the big thing, he's a right shot, right wing. And we talked earlier about, you know, having a lot of wings, Kevin Fiala, Kirill Kaprizov, two guys that could potentially play in the right wing. One of them will for sure. I believe that's Kaprizov's more natural position and it's where Fiala, I think saw more success this year was mm-hmm. on the right wing, but one of those two could in theory move to left wing. Um, so there's the argument to me that yeah maybe those two guys lock down the top to right wings, but do you get them on the same line? And then all of a sudden, now you have a spot. Um, so you might wonder kind of where he fits in, but as we talked about earlier, yeah. it's not a bad thing if you have Fiala, Kaprasov, Boley, Beckman, Parisi, and whoever else. It's good to have a lot of wings because then you, could, yeah. you can move one of those guys. As long as they're not locked into no moves, you can move them. You can make your team better by being strong at a position. So I, he's a guy, I think if he's there at nine... I would take him over Lindell. I would take him over Askarov. We'll mm-hmm. talk about Jake Sanderson in a second. I would probably flip a coin there. But I think he's one of those guys. I think if he's at nine, you really got to consider him, even, even with the need at center. Because I, I look at him and like, I've heard some knocks a little bit in his defensive game, too. I see a lot of like a Patrick Line type, a guy that's going to shoot all the time, he's going to mm-hmm. score a lot of goals maybe leave some to be desired in the defensive zone. I don't think he has the ego that Patrick Laine has, so I'm not saying it from that standpoint, but just kind of that, that goal scorer is going to put up a lot of points, a lot of goals in your offensive zone, just might leave a little to be desired in the defensive zone.
1: Yeah, I think you hit it when you said, you know, basically you don't want to reach for a center at nine if 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 you have a better player there. Like, you don't want to reach for a Phillip Johansson type type move. Mm-hmm. If he's oh, there at nine and all the centers that are you know, could help us are gone, then yeah, you are going to want to take this player.
0: So I said, it, let's uh, we'll talk about more player, and then we'll we'll go to that discussion. So next, one I want to talk about is Jake Sanderson, and if if we had brought him up like a month ago, I would have been like, nah, not interested. Um, but I really dove into it more, and now with Dumba potentially gone, with Monell's future in minnesota uncertain and then looking at okay well we have we have addison we we figure mm-hmm. he's probably safe to assume he'll be the number four power play type guy probably not a guy that's going to play in the top pairing decently mobile but maybe a little leaving a little desire defensively but a guy that probably pairs off well with a guy like brodine mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i looked into sanderson and Here's what Elite Prospects had on him. I want to tell you guys, I'm going to read this description, and you tell me the player that pops into your mind with this description. Sanderson, on the other hand, is the rare jack of all trades, somehow also a master of all trades player. He doesn't play with the level of offensive dynamism that we've come to expect with the of this sort of price tag, but he does everything at an above average to high end level across the board. Well, That's exactly who I thought. Garrett Spurgeon was the exact player that popped into my mind
2: hmm
0: so how he's he's a six foot one, 185 pound jared spurgeon it's basically yeah. kind of how i look at him
2: yeah and i mean i think you know i think he's a left shot and you know i think the one reason my people aren't too high on him is maybe his offense isn't all that great but what for, from looking at stats not too bad 14 points 19 games the ushl and 29 and 47 overall and from what I've been doing my doing my reading up on him, it seems like he was really kind of turning it on offensive at the end of the year. And I mean, to be honest, that's not really that's great to have out of him, but you know, the, what that with him, you're getting the, you know, the kind of complete package defensively, good shutdown defenseman, you know, uses his size well. Uh, he's a good skater, just overall strong, good player, solid. And like you guys just made the Jared Spurgeon comparison. So I know some people, you know, probably a lot of Wild fans wouldn't be you know, too thrilled about going with the D at, at number nine, and especially when they look at, you know, our D right now, also on the left side with, you know, Brody and Suter in the way, but, I mean, like we talked about a few weeks ago, there's almost nothing in there after Addison in terms of their D prospects, and eventually Suter is going to get old and all that, so, you know, I he's not my first pick, but uh, like you said, I'm also, I've also a little more high in him than I was two months ago.
1: Right, yeah, and I think the fact that like you mentioned, our system is pretty dry of, of defensemen now. And, you know, this, this might not be the worst option, apparently, according to Elite Prospects. Um, where is it? He says uh, there really isn't much room between Sanderson and our top rate, rated defenseman, Drysdale, of, of the OHL for um, ranked skater in the um, upcoming draft. Um,
0: you know. And I think really the only reason why Drysdale's higher is he's kind of that offensive power play quarterback type of guy. Yeah.
1: Right. And, and, you know, Sanderson will, will get some good development, too, because he's going to the University of North Dakota, and they, they put out Ooh. some good players. I, I, I don't, yeah, boo, boo, but uh, yeah, they still a pretty good program.
0: Yeah, it's very yeah, nice. oh,
2: yeah.
1: for
0: sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and Zeke, you brought up a little bit about, you know, fans maybe being upset taking defense, and because you have, you know, you have Brody, and you have Spurgeon, and you have Suter, but, and that's kind of my original thought, too, but then I kind of sat back and thought about it. I said, that's almost a best case scenario because now you get this really good defensive prospect that you don't have to rush.
1: Mm-hmm. You can let
0: him go play in North Dakota. You can give him a year or two in Iowa, and then by the time he's ready, you give him whatever it is three, four years. Then you can slot him in on your, you know, as, as your number five guy. Throw him in on the power play. Give him some looks maybe on the second, on the second pair. Like you don't have to rush him. You get a lot of time to develop him and get him acclimated. You don't force him in. And I think we talked about. Sometimes that's a mistake we feel that the Wild have made is forcing guys into positions too quickly. Uh, we talked about that with Joe Bully uh, when he joined the show. So I think it's almost a best-case scenario that there's some people in front of them.
2: Yeah, I agree. To that. It's it's certainly sad. And, I mean, you know, like we, like you just said, and like I just said too, you know, people won't necessarily like it. And, you know, it's not my favorite pick. It's maybe not the most... A sexy pick, kind of a player to take there, but you know, uh, like you guys said in the description, he does pretty much everything well. You want would want out of a defenseman, and you know, like we said, they don't have any of those in the system, so we'll see. It's it's a good option. So I wouldn't necessarily take him there, but I guess it just depends on who's gone. Like every other player we've kind of talked about here.
0: Okay, so I want to pose a, a theoretical question here. So okay. say that. A wild stay at nine. Marco Rossi's gone, but Alexander Holtz, Jake Sanderson, Anton Lindell, Yaroslav Askarov are all there at nine.
2: Hmm.
0: Rank those four from your most preferred to least preferred.
2: Okay. Well, this is tough for me since, you know, I'm a big Askarov guy, but hmm. I want to put him first, but I'll put Alexander Holtz first. Uh, just cause I think that's, you know, as he has a high ceiling, but he's obviously a little more safe than the goalie. I'll go Holtz first, Askarov, very close second. Uh, you know, it's close. I think I'll still put Lundell third and over Sanderson at four, but
1: I, for me, it's very close between those guys.
0: Justin, if you had to rank those four, how would you rate them?
1: I'm going Holtz, Lundell, and then three, four is kind of where I, I go back and forth, um, I really don't like drafting goalies in the first, even though he's the best goal in the draft. So I'm gonna have to go Sanderson and then Askarov.
0: Justin, you and I have the same order. I I would flip a personally for me. It's it's Holtz above everyone by a landslide. Well, not a landslide, but mm-hmm. significantly, I would probably flip a coin between Lindell and Sanderson and then Askarov yeah. would be fourth. So it's like one, two, mm-hmm. three tied, and then Askarov for me. All right, so. How about, so now let's explore the world where maybe either the Wild make, make us smash our heads against the table and they reach, or they trade back and don't reach. Um, who are some guys you think maybe if they traded back, you'd be interested in?
1: Um, uh, I'll go first. I think the, the first one that, that I think of, if we move back a little bit, maybe a player like Seth Jarvis. You know, he, he just... Finished second in uh, points in the WHL behind Adam Backman. And uh, let's see what it says. He's a unique player that does everything relatively well. No standout quality driving his success, which is kind of a knock. But, you know, one of the best attackers with defender on his back in this class. And he's the type of player that wants to puck on a stick. Strong puck skills. can shoot, pass, and make the tricky passes. Uh, He has a chance to be a dynamic top six forward. So he's kind of a player that kind of got my attention a little bit if we were to move back for some reason
0: yeah reading about him he almost kind of struck me as like a jason zucker type of guy he's gonna Mm -hmm. bring in his tons of effort could put up maybe 30 goals but you know 20 is probably a safe floor 50 60 points top six guy works hard doesn't do anything elite but just plays well both ends of the zone and like i try to bring up wild players because there's probably better nhl player comp but try to bring up wild players for our listener to get a to get a feel for what type of player there i'm not saying if they draft him he's going to be jason zucker but he will play this you know his style might remind you of jason zucker
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah oh i agree he's he i think i think he you know he had the big 98 points 58 games with you know had a huge outburst at the end of the season so he's definitely a consideration, you know, if they move back. And I guess next I'll get into kind of the guy I'm kind of looking at if they move back in the 15 range, and that is uh, center Maverick Bork from the Schwinnigan Cataractase and the QMJHL, who like I said, he's a center. He shoots right. He's not the biggest, but he's at 5'11", but he is uh, some fairly bulky uh, 185 pounds. Uh, last year in his 49 games played in the Q, he had uh, 29 goals, 42 assists for 71 points, and the interesting kind of fact that I uh, saw about that was that, uh, 45 of those 71 points came at even strength, which was kind of impressive. And, you know, he's, he's a great playmaker with great hockey IQ and he can make decisions very quick. He's good in tight spaces, uh, very patient and, uh, all despite his playmaking, maybe being a strong suit. He also has a very powerful and accurate shot, but, uh, the, some of the knocks against him are he's not, you know, the strongest and could, uh, could benefit to get a little bit stronger and he also lacks the kind of higher top speed skating uh that at least right now to truly reach his potential seal potential. And so, you know, that that that's a problem maybe a little bit of a problem, but I also think that could be worked on and, you know, just from look there's a few guys in there that are centers kinda of around that fifteen range if they move back that I'd like, but uh Bork is my number one if they move back.
0: Yeah, and then uh I'll bring up a guy here in uh Jack Quinn, so teammate of uh, Marco Rossi, uh, another right shot, right wing, 52 goals, 37 assists, 89 points in 62 games with the 67s uh, in the OHL. NHL 33, and he's a guy, I think we brought this up before, but he just shot up draft boards mm-hmm. uh, this season. And a lot of people, there, there's some skepticism behind him. It's like, well, is, is he a product of Marco Rossi? Well, turns out, they played most of their time five-on-five five, actually away from one another. Like, well, about power play. Only 15 of his 52 was run the power play with Rossi. So still, I think, at least, what, 37 mm-hmm. at even strength without Rossi. Not bad. Um, and then, you know, you're like, well, 52 goals in the OHL. Is that that impressive? Well, only two other players have done in a recent memory. That's Arthur Kaliev of the LA Kings, who went in the second round last year. And in hindsight, a lot of teams passed him in the first round and shouldn't have. Uh, potentially the wild included. I know he was a yeah. name thrown around at the beginning of the draft, and then just fell. And I don't know why he fell. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Alex DeBrinkat, who we know well from the rival Chicago oh, Blackhawks, already has a forty goal season in the NHL. So two guys that have proven, hey, if this scoring fifty goals in the yeah. OHL, it's not a bad thing. Um, I think he's a guy that, like, I think him and Holtz have pretty similar. I think that top six winger, north thirty goals, fifty points, right shot. Um, pretty mm-hmm. much like if you don't get Holtz and you really like in the wing is a position you're still interested in and you trade back and maybe you trade back hoping to get Lindell and oh shoot, you traded back too far and the team in front of you took him now, well shoot, now what? Well, I think Quinn's still a great play there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I've seen him ranked as high as six uh, by Craig Button of TSN, so he's really high on him. Uh, Button does a really good job with uh, Canadian scouting, so I wouldn't take that with a grain of salt. But I think it is, that, that could be a ceiling as you know borderline top five pick but also Mm -hmm. as low as 20 uh, by future consideration. So I don't know the wild value him, but I think kind of a lot of how I felt about Holtz um, applies to Quinn. I just think Holtz is a little bit better option. You guys have anything to add about Quinn? I don't know if you guys look into him. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I mean, I did a little bit and I think, you know, like you said, maybe the concern is that his first year in junior wasn't all that great. And, you know, there's maybe a little concern of, you know, he just burst onto the scene this year, but, um we like you said too 52 goals is 52 goals no matter where you play or how it happened and so yeah if if they just happen to move back and that's an option it's yeah i mean they need talent they need offensive talent there and like i said scoring goals, cool, so not a bad option either
1: no not a bad option the only knock i saw on him or one of the only knocks was uh, he's not a good enough passer and has an inability to find teammates at times but uh you know that, that can be improved but uh for someone to score that many goals and be compared to uh, kind of being the likes of Kaliev and it's pretty good, pretty good that uh, company.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, Justin, did you do a player? I, I don't remember if I had you do one.
1: Um, I did. Uh, who did I do? It was. It was Seth Jarvis. You did Jarvis? Yeah.
0: Um, I have one more here, and it's a guy we talked about uh, once on the show before, and that's. Hendricks LaPierre of the Chiquidimi Sanguinines. I have no, it's like French Canadian. Yeah. I can't, I, I give my best shot. Uh, <laughs> I want to bring him up because I don't think the while they're going to take him. Um, but he's six foot 181 pound center and was a guy that coming into the year was potentially a guy that was going to be top 10. And I think even recently, if healthy, uh, Craig Button said recently in TSN he could have been a top five coming in healthy. Um, and the reason he fell, so he had he had this like awesome Gretzky Hlinka Cup, which is basically like a, this big junior tournament with all these Canadian superstar players. They're awesome. It's a big de- it's a big deal for scouting. Lit it up there, and then he got injured. Um, and he got a concussion last year, and then coming into this year, he th- he thought he got another one, maybe a third one. But it turns out he went in, got some second opinions, and it turned, it was some misalignment uh, in the vertebrae up near his neck that were causing him to have post-concussion-like symptoms, so sensitivity to light, migraines, uh, different things like that. And the doctor was like, yeah, no, this wasn't a concussion. This is your spine being out of place. And they basically realigned it. He did some you know, some therapy and stuff, got everything straightened out, was feeling 100%, was about to come back, and then COVID hit. He wasn't able to show what he's capable of. Ended up playing just 19 games this year. Put up two goals, 15 assists uh, in those 19 games, and I think he very well could be the fourth best when, when it all ends, and we see this pan out in a couple years. I think he might be the fourth best center in this draft behind Byfield, Perfetti, and Rossi. Like that's, I think he might be better than Liddell, better than some other guys that we talked about. Um, His knock base, he's a playmaking center, uh, good 200 foot guy. I thought it was funny. I was reading a not. Uh, we'll go do another. Uh, what plays this remind you of? Um, was basically they said uh, there are times where it seems like he forces passes instead of shooting. Uh, is there a player that comes into mind there? Former Minnesota Wild players one that came to mind for me.
1: Hmm. Well, also, I mean,
0: also really soft hands, but forces passes.
2: Well, I mean, I guess maybe this is the right guy, but the most recent player I can think of is Mikhail Granlund.
0: That's who I thought of as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically he's like, I think, I, th- I think he's a very, a very good comp to Mikhail Grayland, but actually a guy that can play center mm-hmm. and not better on the wing. So yeah. it would be really bold at nine, I think, but mm-hmm. if they move back or if they maybe get somehow end up with a, with a second round pick late in the first, he's a guy I think like could even maybe fall into the early second round. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't think it's likely, but yeah, I, I I think like there's this, there is the injury risk there, but like, People talk about not wanting to take Lindell because it's the safe pick. If you want the Wild to go bold, I think LaPierre at nine will be bold. Uh, The highest I've seen him so far is 10, so nine isn't a total reach from 10, but the most people have him kind of down in like the 20 to 25 range.
2: Yeah, I think I agree. He's been another guy to kind of look at. I mean, like you said, he's pretty much, I mean, he probably can score some goals, but like you said, he's just a. Puck distributor, great playmaker, very smart, Uh, you know, just the exactly kind of player they need. And, I mean, hey, like you said, there's, you know, he could go anywhere from 15 to 20th to, like you said, if there's a chance he falls into the early second round. And I think the Wilder picking at 39th the second. So maybe not too likely there. But, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's a very good option if you're somewhere, if you're confident the injuries aren't going to be an issue.
1: Definitely an intriguing player
0: and then we won't dive uh too much more into it but just a couple other players um at least off the top of my head that i have written down here uh that maybe the wild consider this is more again if probably not at nine but if they end up trading yeah. back uh Dylan Holloway, Connor Zari and Dawson Mercer with the other names that i kind of looked at but didn't really do deep dives into. Do you guys yeah. have anyone else?
1: Um i got one more, i don't know. Uh another Russian player, uh, Rodion Amirov. Yep. Uh, he's a left wing. Mm-hmm. Upper uh, Tolpar UFA. MHL in russia um something interesting i saw on him was uh he led the world hockey championships scoring over a player named lucas raymond he ended up with nine points in eight contests he's mechanically mechanically refined in his skating Um, he does need some room improvement for strength in the weight room but he's a bit of a dual threat player most of his offense comes with you know high level puck handling and distributing they have a high ability to see plays before they develop. And this is something good. Intermediate to long-range finisher, so he's not just finishing mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: up close. He's finishing from
0: all different... We're not areas. a Zach Parise, Bangaman and the doorstep right. type. Yep. Kevin nope. Fiala, pick it from the top uh, of the circles type. Yeah. Plus, it says he could become a reliable reliable top six forward. So,
1: mm-hmm. you know, it's another winger, another top six forward, but, uh, you know, maybe another Russian for, for Kaprizov to develop with.
2: Yeah, and I guess I'll just list off quickly like uh, one, two guys here that I got. Uh, There's another Russian by who's center by the name of Murat. I don't know exactly how I exactly say it. I think it's Kuznadinov, but uh, he's kind of an all-around, uh, a good kind of center type, two-way. Maybe not the best offensive upside, but could be a good middle six center, and is projected to kind of go end of the first, uh, early second. So he's a guy, and then also another player, kind of the end of the first round, maybe middle. Uh, is the and from Sweden, and Noel Goonler, who's a bit of divisive because he's you know got a great shot, offensive skills, but his discipline and defensive uh, issues aren't great. But he's another guy that you could take a flyer on later in the round if you have a pick.
0: Yeah, I think I think what struck me in this draft is, when I was looking at trading back. I think there's a clear kind of like top 11 to 12 that kind of ends at yeah. that sanderson jarvis asgarov kind of like right there like, like 11 to 12 and then mm-hmm. from like 12 like to the mid 20s is. i mean it's not uncommon but there's a lot of guys in that range that's like
2: mm-hmm.
0: top six forward potential one thing this draft is not heavy on early on at least i think is defensemen and uh, i have a couple names but we'll bring that up uh in part two of this episode, uh yes, we will be doing a second part diving into kind of the second, uh, fourth round. And we'll also be putting together a draft. So uh check out that. We'll release both tonight. Uh there won't won't be a show next week, uh, just because we'll have the two out. Uh we're gonna take a week off, but then uh the week after that I believe is the draft. So our next podcast following this little double header two parter uh will be recapping the draft. So that should be exciting. Uh, guys, anything to add here to our first round uh, stuff before we uh, get ready to record part two and sign off for uh, episode one here? Or part one, excuse me.
1: Nope, uh, I've I got all my bases covered. Yeah, same.
2: Uh, just I think just overall looking forward to seeing what the Wild will do, uh, potentially at number nine, whatever. And uh, yeah, it should be interesting coming couple weeks.
0: Long story short, I think, to sum it all up, if they pick one of the players we talked about, we'll be all right. <laughs> if for some reason they go way off the board and don't pick someone on the board, then panic. But if they take someone we mentioned, uh, just know that there was probably some reasoning. These guys have, remember, they, these guys have scouts on the ground. They're watching film. We're basically doing our best to you know maybe you know read some articles, check out people that we trust as scouts, and then just kind of you know summarize information, bring it to you so you don't have to do all all the hard work we do it for you we talk about it uh so just to kind of recap uh the players we talked about uh favorites obviously quentin byfield marco rossi uh would require trading up almost guaranteed uh guys we like at nine include anton lundell yaroslav askarov alexander holtz jake sanderson and then if the wild move back guys like seth jarvis jack quinn hendrix lapierre dylan holloway rody Namirov. Uh, and then so you can blink in the one you brought up as well. Mm-hmm. No, um, uh,
2: I think it's yeah. Murat Kuznodinov. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
0: that was the quick recap. We hope that you found the show informative, a little bit different than our normal, but uh, our, our focus wanted to be younger players, prospects are mm-hmm. hoping. This gave you a different scope, uh, maybe a little bit deeper dive than you're we used to. Uh, check out part two, if you'd like, uh, we'll dive into kind of not quite in this much of detail, but uh, some guys maybe look at in the second round, we'll talk a little bit about them. And then we'll also be doing a draft uh, in that part two of, um, it'll be another all-time roster of wild players, but only players at the wild drafted. So that should be a fun in the spirit of the draft. Uh, it should go to show how bad they have been at drafting potentially, uh, but it, it's not as bad as you think, but uh, that'll do it for today's show. Uh, Justin, where can we find you? You can find me at D E A F T or you can find me at
1: Capri with the Capri compound. And you can find me at w with prospects with wild
0: prospects and young players. And Zeke, what about you?
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Z B wild underscore H W. And you can also find uh, all my work and writing at hockeybuilders.com. And just, I guess one more quick thing is, uh, next week for the draft, we'll be doing why the wild to draft so-and-so player. And I will be doing, uh, peace on um, my guy Yaroslav Askarov. So be sure to check that out on Monday.
0: Awesome. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you're following the podcast account uh, at sound the foghorn. And one more thing before we sign off, I just want to give a big congratulations out to Giles Farrell and Ben Remington of the Gat G Wiles, uh, Giles and the Goalie podcast uh, following the concluded Stanley cup uh, they will be ending their podcast. Uh, they are guys that kind of helped me get into mm-hmm. uh, podcasting, into writing a little bit, uh, gave me a shot over at Wild Extra, and they still existed, um, and have been great uh, mentors to me in terms of talking and, and being confident talking about the wild. So congrats to them. I know they're both kind of just on their way to starting families. Ben just made a big move, so the right time for them to make that call but uh they've done awesome podcasts and i'm sure at some point especially if some jerseys come out uh we'll be sure to bring those gentlemen on to uh at least one of them to talk about jerseys because that's always been their thing yeah. so big congrats to you guys sure. uh and whatever comes next for you so that'll do it for this part one episode uh part two coming your way shortly uh but this has been another episode of sound the fogger